Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, good morning, Connect Church. Let's thank our team for leading us out today. And such, and such an incredible job singing the word and making much of Jesus. Because you know, if you've been here, that our heartbeat is to connect everyone with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, whether it is by preaching the word or singing and sung or serving, and that is the very heartbeat of our church. And I want to add too as well, and just a special uh, happy birthday to my, my sweetheart. She sang that last song, and, uh, and today she is turning 29 for the seventh time. And it's unbelievable. I love her. Just so grateful what she does with Connect Kids downstairs. Just hundreds of kids every week uh, being disciple. We don't have babysitting services here at Connect Church. We really just have a disciple-making machine uh, down below us ev- each and every Sunday. And so, so grateful for what she does. And so happy birthday uh, to her. Now listen, as we start today's message, you can begin to head towards John chapter 10. Um, as you do so, uh, when I was young, we had... A, a stuffed animal in the house called a lammy pie. Uh, did anybody have a lammy pie in your house, or were you the only weirdos? Okay, anyway, so uh, this was back from my childhood, and uh, and this will come into play. I remember around seven years old, uh, we were we were at the house, and my mom and dad loved to watch a show called In Living Color. Did anybody ever watch In Living Color? Uh, pretty funny. Maybe not appropriate for a seven-year-old, but hey, pretty funny, and we would watch that with our parents. I remember one night, there was a skit, and it was called When Animals Attack, and me and my young brother were watching this with our parents, and it was just really an entire skit. This show produced like Jim Carrey and Jamie Foxx and so many of those, and it was just a, a skit about common household animals attacking people. It was a skit about just these small woodland creatures just while somebody's jogging down the road, all of a sudden it jumps out of the bushes, grabs hold of their face and attacks them. And mom and dad thought it was hilarious. Me and my brother struggled a little bit. (laughs) Is this really a thing? Like, does this really happen? I remember going to bed that night and just the last thing on my mind was, God, would you protect me from animals who attack people every day, it looks like, on the skit. And I'll never forget what happened. It was dark. It was in the middle of the night. Perhaps after a few drinks, my mom comes to the door. She slams open the door, and she starts screaming, and she has lammy pie at her face, going, yes, guy! And I mean, just going crazy. Now listen, I love to have fun with my kids. And it's important that I scare them from time to time. It's like, yeah, that was abuse that night. I'm going to tell you something. It was horrifying. I remember, I don't remember what I did yesterday. I remember that moment as a seven-year-old child thinking, man, Lammy Pie done killed mama and it's coming after us, right? And I, I just couldn't piece it together. But thankfully, after years of counseling, I'm able today to stand up here and to continue to talk, Mama, you know it's true. You remember it, don't you? I mean, if you can remember. I know it was a rough night for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and so without sheer terror coursing through my veins, today we go back into the sheep pen of John chapter 10. We continue to talk sheep in our study of this incredible chapter. You'll remember from last week that John chapter 10, it's a continuation of a conversation that began back in chapter 9 when Jesus dared to heal a blind man and it upset some religious people in that day. It's this conversation between Jesus 
and Jewish religious leaders. Religious leaders who Jesus had already made the case and has already done so that they are spiritually blind, that they are thieves, that they are robbers, and he hints to the fact that they are false shepherds and they are false prophets. And pretty intense conversation going on here. And yet at the very same time, it is in this conversation that we uncover two more I am statements of seven I am statements found in the gospel of John. If you'll remember in John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world. Last week in John 10, 7, I am the door. And today we uncover the fourth I am statement of Jesus. And this one is perhaps maybe the most personal and the most meaningful to me. And that is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. Let's look at it in Scripture. He opens up in John chapter 10 to these religious leaders, and he says, I am the good shepherd in the Greek language. I love how this reads. It reads like this. I am the shepherd, Jesus says, the good one. I am the shepherd. I am the good one. Remember, the imagery of God being our shepherd is alive and well in the hearts of not only the religious leaders of that day, but the people of God that day. We find in places like Psalm 23, verse 1, that the Lord is my shepherd. We find in Psalm 100, verse 3, that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Again in Psalm verse, or chapter 95, verse 7, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand, meaning we are under his care. You see, the Lord is our shepherd, and now Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Without a doubt, Jesus is telling those that are the day, I'm not only the good shepherd, I'm God. And he continues on in the text, and he says this, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he brings up another character here. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Moreover, Jesus says the man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Again, Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And again, he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, in this part of the conversation of, of John chapter 10, there are two roles in regards to the sheep. There's the good shepherd, and they're the hired hands. The difference really is how they love and care for the sheep. Hired hands, simply put, it is a job. They are in it for the money. They are in it for themselves. This is evidenced by when a predator comes, the hired hand watches out for and cares only for himself, and he flees. Whereas the good shepherd... Well, he's in it for the sheep. When predators come, the good shepherd, he fights for the sheep. He is willing even to lay down his life for the sheep. You see, the good shepherd's in it for the sheep. Now, as sheep, I want to remind you of something, and I love this from Desiring God. Two points that I want to hit home today and that we're going to kind of camp out in today. Number one, we are always sheep. In the story of the good shepherd, we are always sheep. And number two, that Jesus is forever our good shepherd. Hey, you and I, we're always sheep. Jesus forever is our good 
shepherd. I love this. John Piper would write this. God intended from before the foundation of the world that you and I and all people from the greatest to the least would always be sheep. His purpose from the beginning and for all time is that human beings would always be sheep in need of a shepherd. He never intended that we would be sheep for a season and then cease being sheep and become something less needy or less dependent. We're always sheep. Always sheep. I want to illustrate this today by inviting Blanche uh, to the stage, if I could. And here she comes. Hey, Blanche is a beautiful lamb. Uh, Will Ray and his family have been so gracious to bring uh, some of them out here. Uh, this is Blanche. Will, just come on up here to the stage if you would. In the earlier service, Blanche needed a diaper. But it looks like we're doing okay. So it's okay, sweetheart. It's okay. Hey, this is Blanche. She's named after, if you've ever watched the show Golden Girls, right? She's named after Blanche from the Golden Girls. And if you know her character, probably good she's in church today. And so glad to have Blanche here with us today. Uh, Will, so grateful for you and your family to bring her. Um, Will and his family, they shepherd this precious lamb. And there's a couple of things that I want us to learn today from her that will remind us a whole lot in Scripture of us. And first of all, what is the greatest need of this lamb today? The greatest need in her life today is the man who holds her, is her shepherd. She needs it. There's a lot of things that she is solely dependent on him for. Her greatest need is that she needs a shepherd. Now, there's some other things that he would share with us, too, about this precious little lamb. Hey, hey number one, she's defenseless. Guys, listen, she, she has nothing innate in her that is a fighter. She's just a lover. She has no fight in her. There's not a whole lot she can do to defend herself all the more while she needs a, a shepherd. The other thing I know about, about this sheep right here, this lamb, is that she's witless, meaning that she don't have a whole lot of wit to her. Not a whole lot of wisdom. Nobody's ever going to look at anything she does and goes, man, she's smart. She's not going to happen. But not only is she defenseless and witless, she's helpless. Without her shepherd, her prospects for survival are low. She's just helpless. She needs him. She needs her shepherd. And what Scripture does is Scripture takes a lamb like Blanche and uses her to point to people like us. Will thank you. Blanche, thank you. Hey, let's give him a round of applause. Man, grateful they would bring her out today. You know, as we begin this conversation really more about us than less about sheep, one of the things we realize about Blanche and about us is that at our heart, we are defenseless. We are defenseless. Sheep need protection from their shepherd. Consider this passage from young David, who is yet to be a king, but one day would be over God's people. There is a battle going on with the Philistines. Goliath is cursing God's name and calling out God's people. And David, who is a shepherd tending his father's sheep, goes to the front lines. He has a conversation with what will be his predecessor, King Saul, and as David begins to encourage Saul to allow him to fight this Goliath, listen to what David said as a shepherd. But David said in 1 Samuel 17 to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion 
and the bear. Hey, you know what we're finding out about old King David? When he was young, you know what he was? He was a pretty good shepherd. We see how defenseless the sheep were, and yet he would protect them. He would go after them. Sheep need protection from predators like coyotes and wolves and fox and bobcats and lions and bears that we find that were present at that time in the Old Testament. Even lambs, listen, lambs just like we saw with Blanche. Lambs can be taken off by a strong enough eagle or a certain breed of vulture. Guys, look, I've never seen that, but that would be pretty cool. Just for a minute to see an eagle take off with a lamb. I mean, just, now there's predators everywhere for sheep. We also know this, that it's not only that, that bugs could be a threat. Do you know that parasites can kill a sheep? Even bad weather threaten the life of a sheep. You know, innate in much of creation and in us is that fight or flight instinct ingrained in our DNA given to us by our creator God. It's our body's physiological reaction when we perceive something as being dangerous or threatening. We will either fight or we will take flight. Now, as God often does with me, I had a chance to experience this in my own life this past week. Went out to the garage. There was a mouse trap. Inside of that mouse trap was a mouse. And he was about this big. <laughs> and so, listen, my job as the man of the house is I go and get that mouse trap. Listen, he was in bad shape. So it was important that he, did no, long, he no longer would suffer and that I introduced him to Jesus personally, okay? So that is my job. I take the mouse trap outside. I go in, and like any man would, grab my daughter's pink BB gun, and I'm fixing to introduce this mouse to Jesus. This is my fight. This is me. It's a little blurry. I'm in my pajama shorts. As you see, I'm armed with a pink BB gun. I'm, I've got my fight. But something happened out there. When I went over to that little mouse, for the first time ever, he got loose from the trap. And he ran straight towards my legs. That's when you see that I begin my flight pattern. It was at this point that I let out what my girls call a scream, and it really wasn't. It was a yelp. And then I took flight. The mouse was very close to running up my shorts, which I perceived as dangerous and terribly terrifying. At the time, and then you know what? I turned back around, put my eyes on the mouse, and then my fight came back and I fired off a BB at it. Did I hit it? No. Came nowhere near it. But you know what I told him? You go tell your friends and family what will happen. You come back in our, in our garage. I am not proud of that. Hey, when it, when it comes to, to sheep, they only have flight. Sheep have no fight in them. They aren't born with a lot of fighting tools at their disposal. They need a shepherd who carries a rod. We see that pictured in Psalm 23, a rod. This offensive weapon that would take on the, the predator no matter what, that would fight off any thief looking to take away the sheep. You see, sheep are defenseless. Sheep are also witless. They got no wit about them. They have no wisdom. They're not the smartest of all animals. They make stupid decisions. In fact, I've got a video that just perfectly points this out. And really, it's a video of a sheep, but it might as well sum up many of our spiritual life. Take a look at the screen if you would. 
We don't have pictures. There we go. He's stuck in a trench. <laughs> I mean, hey, Anthony, it's the last service. Can we watch that again? Hey, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you just go, man, what, what's that sheep thinking? And then I look at that sheep and go, he looks a lot like me. Spiritually, the shepherd gets me out, man. I go right back in. I found an article back in 2015 in, in Turkey. There was a shepherd who had some Turkish sheep, if you would, and, and he was watching over them as they were grazing in a field. Well, that field would lead to a cliff that had a pretty steep drop to it. And that shepherd watched as one of his sheep while feeding accidentally just walked off the cliff and fell to its death. 1,500 more sheep walked right after that first sheep and fell down. 450 of them died because they followed one another off the cliff. I mean, they're just, they're just not smart Animals. You see, the, the shepherd would use his staff spoken of again in Psalm 23. And he would use the hook on the end of that staff to bring back a sheep onto the path it should be. The shepherd's path away from, from danger and being lost. He uses his, his staff to pull them from the thicket where they could oftentimes get caught or from trenches that they oftentimes would jump into. Sheep are, are witless. And you know what else about sheep is they are... They are helpless. Now, some of us have the tendency right now in the sermon to go, no, I'm not defenseless. I can defend myself. I'm not witless. Say, listen, I'm smart. I got street smart. Hey, you know, I'm not helpless. I don't need anybody. Well, the truth is, is no matter if you're the strongest or the smartest or the most independent person in the room, you're going to find that when we leave in and of ourselves into our sin, we are just that. We are defenseless. We are witless. And we are helpless. You see, sheep rely on their shepherd for everything. For good food and nutrition, access to safe water and still water where they'll drink. Shepherds often would deal with the sicknesses that sheep would have, injuries that they would take, and a lot of times on their faces. And so shepherds would take oil and pour it over a sheep's head in order to protect their wounds from infections and or parasites that could kill the sheep. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. God knew what he was doing when he likened you and me to sheep. God knew that in and of ourselves we are defenseless Witless, helpless spiritually. Even the strongest among us is defenseless against the sin that seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy us as we learned last week. Even the most competent and accomplished among us is helpless to save ourselves from our greatest enemy, our sin. Even the smartest tool in the tool shed of Connect Church, even the smartest person here, we are prone to to make unwise decisions that will lead us into sin and shame. We need a shepherd who's our defender, who's our help and our source of wisdom. You see, we are always sheep. We are always sheep. But I also want to remind you that we are more than sheep. 
We're more than sheep. According to, to 1 John 3, 1, we are children of God in Romans 8, 16. We are heirs with Christ of the universe. We are co-rulers of the King of Kings in Revelation 3, 21. And 1 Peter 2, 9 reminds us this, that we are a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So yes, today, we are more than sheep. But we are still always sheep who desperately need a shepherd. And the good news today is simply this, that Jesus is forever our good shepherd by faith. You see, it was said of Jesus before he was born in prophecy that Jesus would come as a shepherd. Find this near the prophecy of Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock, speaking of Jesus who is to come. In the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord is God. And they shall dwell secure, for he he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Think of this in Isaiah. He was to come to be our shepherd. In chapter 40, verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. You see... Jesus was said to have come as a shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, we find that he did just that. I am the good shepherd, Jesus would say. And then we realize this, that even at his second coming, that Jesus is still our shepherd. Watch this in 1 Peter 5, 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so he's not, not only was he going to be our shepherd, Not only is he our shepherd in John chapter 10, verse 11, but when he comes again, he's still our shepherd. And then we get a glimpse into heaven and we realize this, that Jesus is our good shepherd forevermore. Watch this in Revelation 7. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear, the Bible says. Every tear. From their eyes. You see, church, we are always sheep. And by faith, he is always our good shepherd. But here's the question, ready? What makes him good? What makes Jesus good? Well, here's the here's the language Jesus would use in verse 17 and 18 of John chapter 10. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. See, he's beginning to give indication of the cross and the empty grave. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down from my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. What makes this good shepherd Jesus good? Well, among so many other things, that he is the good shepherd who did lay down his life for his sheep, for you and for me. I love this phrasing, lay down his life, that Jesus uses time and time again in John chapter 10. It's unique to the gospel of John, and it is a picture not of someone who's being forced to lay down their life, but someone who does so willingly, who volunteers his life for the sake of his sheep. Not because he just had to. Hey, listen, because he wanted I worked really hard to find an illustration that would really, really kind of bring home this idea that we have a good shepherd who laid down his life for a sheep. I mean, I searched and I thought and 
And then it dawned on me. There's one illustration of a shepherd laying down his life for a sheep that I think would be best of all for us today. So I'm going to ask my Lord's Supper teams, if y'all would, go ahead and take your place at your table right now. Thank you. And what we're going to do here in just a moment is we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. There is no fitting picture, no better description, no greater illustration of a loving good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep that we could do together today than the Lord's Supper. We, we do so because we know truth like this in 1 Peter 2.24 that Jesus, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you and I have been healed. Been healed. For you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Can I tell you one of the, the dearest names in my prayer life with Jesus? is that He is my shepherd and He is the overseer of my soul. And so, we enter this time, we come to the table together today to see just what it looks like for the good shepherd to lay down his life for a sheep. Let me invite you to stand if you would. And as you stand, I want you to locate a table nearest you Take hold of the juice and the bread. Keep it with you. Go back to your seats and remain standing if you would as we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together. While you wait in line, while you stand, let's just thank you for what he's done. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness to glorious light Thank you Jesus for the blood applied Thank you Jesus it has washed me white Thank you Jesus you have saved To glorious life I was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time Sin separated the breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You had 
had me in your sight. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. If you would take hold of this, this bread this way for In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul would write, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it. We understand this. What does it look like for the good shepherd to lay down his life for his sheep? Well, it's for our good shepherd to allow his body to be broken to be tortured for hours at the other end of a whip woven into which was pieces of bone and, and metal and glass, making sure that the 39 lashes he received all dug into his flesh and to his muscles and tore it away every time that whip was jerked out of his back. What does it look like for a good shepherd, his body to be laid down for us? It was a crown of thorns being dug into his scalp, a staff and a robe upon which they would mock him as king, a staff that would be used to strike his face and body again and again. What does it look like for a good shepherd to lay down his life for a sheep? It looks like a wooden beam placed upon his back, him forced to carry it to Calvary, to Golgotha, the place of the skull, what does it look like? The fact that Jesus would lay down on that cross and they would stretch his arms to their furthest extent and then even more to dislocate his shoulder. And there they would drive nails into his wrist. They would stretch out his legs, cross his feet one on top of another. They would drive another spike into his feet. And then they, for the first time, would lift up the cross with Jesus now fastened to it. Drop it into the ground for all the people to see. And for the first time, Jesus, our good shepherd, would learn how terribly painful and hard it was to breathe on the cross as he pushed up on the nail, pulled up on the nails in his hands. And there, hour after hour, as his body began to fail, as organ after organ began its process of shutting down. With the spit and the jeers of the people in the crowd that day, our good shepherd continued to lay his life down. Until finally, with, with all of my sin and your sin upon him, he cried out, it is finished. And the very heart inside of his chest, the very heart of our good shepherd, ruptured. So when they stuck a spear into his side, blood and water flowed. That's what it looks like for our good shepherd to lay down his life. For you and for me and Paul would remind us of what Jesus said. This is my body which is for you. Do 
this in remembrance of me. So, Father, we do just that. In remembrance of the sacrifice of our good shepherd of Jesus, whose body was broken so that we didn't have to be broken forever. Thank you that the goodness of our shepherd is seen as he laid down his life on the cross for us. And we never forget and we never take it lightly, but forever glory in the cross. In Jesus' name. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Do this whenever you drink it. Understanding the author of Hebrews would say, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness of our sins. Understanding this, that without the blood of Jesus, you and I would still be in our sin. And yet it is His blood, the blood of our good shepherd, that takes a sin, sick heart and soul and washes it white as snow. It is the blood of our shepherd that now by faith courses through our veins because it would be the love of our shepherd, his love, that would cover the multitude of our sins. You see, our shepherd laying down his life meant that he had to spill his blood so that forever God the Father would look at us and see the blood of his son Jesus know that our sins are forgiven and our hope is in him and Jesus would say whenever you drink of it you so in remembrance of me so take and drink Jesus thank you for the blood that you set on the cross thank you for being a good shepherd the good shepherd who laid down your life for us your sheep Father, may we never grow tired of hearing that story. May we never grow weary and seemingly forget about all that you, our good shepherd, has done in laying down your life for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, our good shepherd. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While our teams collect these cups, y'all stay standing. Let's sing this one last time before we finish up our sermon. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glory. Oh, one more time, thank you. Thank you. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You may be seated. And as you do, I want to remind you 
that as sheep who are always sheep, who by faith have a good shepherd who's forever our good shepherd, let me remind you what that looks like day to day. I've done hundreds of funerals in my 20 plus years of ministry. And there's one psalm I always use at a funeral. It's the 23rd psalm. And I'm always quickly to remind those who are gathered there today that this psalm is not a psalm of death, but it is a psalm of life. And so what does it look like to walk with this good shepherd? To hear his voice and to listen to his voice every day. A psalm of David, as David would write, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, the Bible says. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And I love this. You ready? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And as if that isn't enough, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And then David would write this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell or I shall live in the house of the Lord forever. You see, it's a psalm of life. And it's a picture of what every day looks like when you and I walk with our good shepherd. Dallas Willard would say this, and really a good quote here, The Lord is my shepherd is written on many more tombstones than lives. Man, isn't that good? And it shouldn't be that way. You see, are the words of John 10, 11... That I am the good shepherd, the words of the 23rd Psalm, verse 1, that the Lord is my shepherd. Are they written on your life? On your heart? Are they written over your words and your actions, the way you love and the way you live? You see, when it comes to our good shepherd, we're reminded that we are always his sheep. And He's forever our Good Shepherd. So here's where that relates to us today. You ready? What we know about the Good Shepherd is as a sheep, I am the defenseless, but He, my Good Shepherd, is my defender. Watch this in Psalm 3.3. But you, O Lord, are shield about me, my glory. And watch this, the lifter of my head. I know this is a sheep. You ready? Man, at times and more often than not, I am witless. Yet he is, my, he is my wisdom. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge or submit to him. And that old shepherd of ours will make straight our paths. You see, when I'm as a sheep witless, he's my wisdom. And as a sheep, no matter how strong I try to be, no matter how smart I try to be, helpless. And we find this, that He is our help. Psalm 54.4 Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. I love this in Psalm 121. That I lift my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. You see, the 23rd Psalm gives us a really good insight of what just everyday walking 
with our good shepherd looks like. I heard the story of of a church that invited two men to come and to recite from memory the 23rd Psalm. And so the first man to take the stage, he was a young man. He was a professional orator, a speaker. He had a flair for drama. And as he began, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he finished quoting that entire chapter of Psalm. The, cl- the crowd began to cheer and shouts of encore came, do it again. When he got done and he just he sat down. Well, the second man who stood up was, a, was an older man. His voice was weak and there was seemingly no drama in it. And he got up there, weak and feeble, his voice shaking. And he started, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he quoted the entire song. When he got done, nobody in the church cheered. When he got done, nobody said, encore. But what had happened was that the entire church was moved to a place of deep devotion and prayer. The young man, the great speaker, noticing what had happened, stood back up and he said this, I have a confession to make. The difference between what you have just heard heard from my old friend and what you have heard from me is this. I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. I know the psalm. But he knows the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd today? Do you know him? Do you walk with him? Is he your good shepherd? I get to thinking of those of y'all who'd say, yeah, you know what he is, Anthony. Well, can I just give you two last challenges? You ready? Here's number one. If you're in Christ, he is your good shepherd by faith. Be good to the shepherd this week. Be good to the shepherd. When I leave out of town and, and I leave my wife and my kids back and I've got to go somewhere and it's always to preach somewhere. You know, I look at my kids and say, be good to your mama. You listen to your mama. You know what I'm telling them? Do what you know what you ought to do. Don't make her ask you a thousand times to do the same thing. You listen to your mama. You be good to your mama. Hey, church, be good to your shepherd this week. Listen to his voice. Walk with him in obedience. Be good to the good shepherd this week. You ready? Lay down your life for him. You go, wait a second. You're asking me to die for Jesus this week? No. In fact, I don't believe that will happen to any of us. By the way, believers are doing that in other places around the world. What I'm asking you to do is, when was the last time you laid down your life for Him? Hey, let me put it better. When was the last time you laid down your schedule? When, When was the last time you laid down your wants and your desires? When was the last time you laid down your dreams at His feet? He said, much like our good shepherd did in the garden, not my will, but, but your will be done. Are you ready? Be good to your shepherd. Lay down your life for him this week. And here's the last one. 
do good for your shepherd. Hey, by the way, being good to and doing good for your shepherd doesn't make him love you anymore. Just so you know. It actually makes us love him more. Do good for your shepherd. Hey, when was the last time for a stranger that you did something for somebody who could do nothing for you, motivated by compassion that you find in yourself because Jesus is having compassion on that person through you? Man, for some of us, it's been a long time. Listen, I'm not talking about buying a birthday present for your wife on her birthday, which I did. So I'm talking about. I'm not talking about making sure your kids are fed and they get to school, right? And that's what we got to do. When was the last time you did something for a stranger, motivated only by the compassion in you that you know is Jesus having compassion on them through you? That is the good we ought to do this week. The good I do as a husband in my marriage and as a daddy and as a pastor and a son and a brother in Christ. Do good for your shepherd. You see, we're always sheep. And by faith forever, he's our good shepherd. And so this week, you know what? I can't change yesterday. I'm not promised tomorrow, but on this day, I'm going to be good to my shepherd. And I'm not talking about just preaching on stage and under the lights. I'm talking about what I do when I go home, before I go to bed, as I wake up. And I'm going to do as much good as I can today anybody I can do it to because my shepherd's been so good to me let's pray together as we pray goodness do you know him <laughs> do you know the good shepherd has there ever been a time in your life where by faith you've placed your faith your trust in, in the good shepherd and you followed him I'm going to tell you something someone who follows Jesus the good shepherd it makes a difference in their life and one of the greatest tragedies in the church are a bunch of people who claim I am in Christ and the gospel Jesus has never made a difference thank you again for checking out our podcast be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services if you'd like to give to support our ministry you can do that at our website that's connectchurchpf.com hope you enjoyed and have a great week